For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And then you watch her eyes slowly start to focus in, and you can almost see her mind clicking into totally off-the-rails Beth Dutton revenge mode. Oh, Lord have mercy. first two episodes of the new season of Yellowstone are out, and we have answers-ish. Man, the show just doesn't reveal itself in any sort of overt way, does it? I'm Addison Hager, and don't worry, if you've not yet watched, we're going to give you a fair warning when we get to a spoiler. This isn't it, yet. But I will say two things. The first is that several suspects were totally exonerated, And the second is the show found a way to preview the prequel 1883 that is truly brilliant. I mean, they could have just plugged a trailer into a commercial break, but nope. Hang tight for more on that. Billy Dukes will join me in just a second, but I want to make a few requests before we get chatting. The first is to email us with your thoughts, opinions on the shows, and theories. It's staff at tasteofcountry.com. We'd love to include emails in future episodes. The second is to find Dutton Rules on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and tap follow. Then if you can, leave a rating and review. This is Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone 1883 podcast, episode one. And today we're going to talk about the new season of Yellowstone, why Tim McGraw and Faith Hill were chosen to lead this show, and how the two shows literally work together. Episode two will drop in two weeks. And once 1883 begins, we'll go weekly until season one ends. If you're totally new to the show, no worries. So was I until recently. I won't let you get buried in details only longtime viewers know about. Billy is the nerd, so let's bring him in right now. Hello, Addison. Hello, Billy. Are you ready to talk about Yellowstone or mentally prepare for Yellowstone? I think that might be the way to go about this. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Sunday night's debut was really, really intense. Really intense is an understatement. I don't know for the people listening. I know for me in the beginning, I I did not breathe. I held my breath and realized after the fact, Addison, you were not breathing. But there was just, there was so much happening. It might have been the most intense 15 consecutive minutes of television I've ever seen. Fair warning here, we're going to give some spoilers away. So if you haven't seen the first couple of episodes of this series um, and you want to, you don't want to like it spoiled, check us out a little bit later. Exactly. Or pluck your ears. <laughs> All right. Give me like your first impression. Did you like the show? Did you love the show? Were there characters you liked and loved? I like the show. As you know, I'm not as well versed as you are. And so kind of coming in, it's definitely one of those I realized you've got to pay really close attention um, kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen This Is Us on television where the plot mm-hmm. is changing so much that you need to, like, you can't look away or you can't multitask. And that's kind of how I found myself of like, I can't, like, I've, you can't just hear it. You have to visually also see it. And what did you think of Beth? I, you know, Beth, I really, I kind of was fond of 
which, you know, towards the end of season three, I kind of was like, oh my gosh, I mean, don't get me wrong, she's not someone I want to mess with or even get on her bad side or even if she woke up on the wrong side of the bed, I would not Mm -hmm. be the one to want to talk to her. But I really liked at the end of the second episode, kind of when Carter comes into the mix, and I'll I'll pause there so we don't get, you know, too ahead of ourselves, but you kind of saw her almost... And I say this very loosely, but kind of motherly instinct or nurturing instinct a a little bit. I'm not, let's not go zero to 100 here. But I could kind of say, I was like, oh, I think, I think this will be a really unique role for her. She definitely shows her softer side, which contrasts like this sort of badass that she is. I mean, she's really Mm -hmm. kind of especially off the rails throughout these first two episodes. But then that's contrasted with like this sort of sublime domestic life where she's trying to to put tuna in hamburger helper, (laughs) which is fantastic because what college student hasn't tried to do that at some point in their life? (laughs) This might be a flashback for many. (laughs) Something that kind of occurs to me is like how difficult it would be if someone had no knowledge of Yellowstone or 1883 and they just sort of dropped right in on a season four, episode one, and tried to watch right from that point on, like... It would be like just trying to drink water from a fire hose. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even with John Dutton being in the hospital and, you know, you have Jimmy even seeing him. And beyond that, there's also like this out of nowhere flashback 140 years to 1883, which is, I mean, that's going to be ultimately what this podcast is about is Mm -hmm. 1883, the Tim McGraw-Faith Hill series. But they, and we'll get to this in depth in in a few minutes, they drop a plot line Right in there. That's the way they introduce the show Mm -hmm. is they just sort of – it informs the plot as you watch episodes one and two. It's not just like an obligatory trailer. Super smart. That was almost my favorite thing the whole whole day last night. Really? Well, okay. That might be a bit of an exaggeration, but I did think it was pretty (laughs) neat. (laughs) They did – they interwove that. They did that really, really well. We're going to talk about some spoilers, as I mentioned, and some plot points. Uh, One thing we're not going to reveal here, though, is – who attacked the Duttons. Okay, that's uh, good, because I did have a question on that. So I'll save that. Yeah, save that for next time we talk, because um, we don't know. All we know is that they came in clown masks. That, for me, I was like, mm, nope. Nope. <laughs> we, we, I think, though, we did some videos earlier this fall, and we had a theory that I think carries to the action in episode one here. Are and it sh- involves the militia, because mm-hmm. the Duttons... Well, I said too much. <laughs> I was like, I don't think we're sharing that quite yet, Billy. I'm a terrible secret keeper. There's one thing I can't do is keep secrets. Okay. I don't well, know why people... We'll put a pin in that. Uh, before the show, the cast said we'd start off right exactly where we left off at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. Definitely that was true. We found John Dutton. He was literally laying on the ground having sort of written... I don't know if you caught this. He wrote a description of the van that attacked him in blood on his pavement so that whoever found him could go... Um, help solve the mystery of who attacked him. Brilliant. Rip comes along. That's Cole Hauser's character, and mm-hmm. he finds John. Then we cut to Casey, who is John Dutton's youngest son. He's being shot up in his office. Thankfully, he brought a grenade to work with him that day. <laughs> what does he do exactly? All right, this is a really fair question for people who are kind of just getting into the show. Um, Casey is what's called the livestock commissioner. You live in Texas. Maybe you're familiar with what a livestock commissioner does. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Detroit. I mm-hmm. was not. Yeah, I was about to say, for the people who don't know, give us a little insight. 
it's a law enforcement agency of sorts, and but he kind of oversees cattle and ranch and farm related matters. Mm-hmm. Is that a fair description? Yeah, I think that's pretty good. He's the current livestock. He's also a former Marine. So he's got a lot of military training. We learned that kind of early on in season one and two. Um, so that explains the artillery he had with him. A grenade in your work bag? That seems a little bit overprepared, but I'm not going to judge the man. It really did end up coming in handy. Mm-hmm. Um, he lives through that attack, though, but we don't really know if he totally lives until the end of the episode uh, because he got shot up pretty good in the following uh, gunfight and mm-hmm. chase to find that vehicle that John had written in blood uh, on the pavement. And they find it. Yeah, they do. And they, the revenge begins almost right away within the first 10 minutes. Now, let's talk real quick. Where is Beth in all of this? I know, you know, she walks out of the building. She's all completely, you know, seared, singed. But kind of for people who are just jumping in, what happened with her? Okay. Beth was working for a, a company called Schwartz & Meyer. And they were buying up a lot of land around Yellowstone to kind of help protect Yellowstone. Uh, Along the way, though, they came up against a company called Market Equities, and Beth single-handedly was trying to short the stock of Market Equities. I don't have time or really even the knowledge to explain what it means to short the stock. I barely (laughs) understand it, but it's not a good thing. Market Equities um, kind of got revenge and bought Schwartz & Meyer and had Beth fired. So Beth was at her office actually cleaning up out her office like one does. Her assistant brings this package in and says, hey, this has your name on it. And Beth's like, don't open that. And then boom, big package bomb blows mm-hmm. off. So a lot of people thought maybe it was Markwood Equities that had something out for, for Beth at that point. We didn't know if Beth survived until we see Beth come walking out of the building after the explosion. And I know this was a favorite scene of yours. It, it was. And I even said just the way that it was produced of, you know, she walks out and she's not obviously not looking so great, um, given the circumstance makes sense. But I love how, you know, in the midst of all this chaos, it gets really quiet, kind of from her perspective of, you know, an explosion just went off, you're ringing in your ears. And I just love that because it kind of gave a moment of just it's really heavy, but it allowed at least for me to breathe for one hot second and know, mm-hmm. okay, Beth is alive. There's no shooting noises or anything going on. You can breathe, kind of, you know, mentally collect your thoughts. And then, of course, boom, action hits again. I just yeah. think that was done really, really well. The nerd in me of, you know, cinematography, mm-hmm. how things are produced came out, and I was here for it. I wish the episode had premiered about a week and a half ago because the Beth Dutton Halloween costumes would have been really epic. I mean, she looks oh. like a zombie. There's no other I, way of saying it. You she know, looked I didn't terrifying. think about that. <laughs> she did look terrifying. She did, 100%. I didn't, yeah, she looked like she could be part of the Walking Dead cast. I got chills when she has a cigarette and she sits down, and then you watch her eyes slowly start to focus in on what happened, and you can almost see her mind clicking into totally off-the-rails Beth Dutton revenge mode, and she has this steely focus, and oh, Lord have mercy. You know, whoever is on the going to be on the, the hitting end of that stick, good Lord. Run. <laughs> Run. Yeah. No, I agree with you. She did a really, really good job conveying, yeah, just ultimate rage. Rage, but yet her features were calm. But her eyes, mm-mm. She also, the episode, episode one was called Half the Money. And Yellowstone has this thing where they title their episodes kind of randomly. It'll often come from like a quote that is not central to the plot. And in this case, half the money 
I'm not going to refer, repeat the quote that she says, but she says something regarding half the money in this episode that is like the most Beth Dutton, Beth Dutton thing to say. Yeah, yeah. Now that you're saying that, I was like, oh, we can't share it, but... It's I the bar scene. The bar okay. scene where the woman comes in and she has that conversation with the woman and then about the bathroom and... I'm sorry, we, we work together. I can't say these words. <laughs> I, 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 the face I'm giving you, Billy, I'm like, oh, man, I really I yeah. gotta go look at that. Okay. You're well, gonna have to look that one up. I'll Ask your that. mom and dad. <laughs> I'll phone a friend. Phone a friend. <laughs> this is Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone in 1883 podcast with Billy Dukes and me, Addison Hager. A reminder that we want questions and comments at staff at tasteofcountry.com and to come back, tap follow wherever you're listening because we're here for the full season of Yellowstone and 1883. The ranch scene is just mass, mass chaos. Well, we, we learned that the attackers also were attacking the ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, Monica and her son Tate are the first to get attacked. Um, Tate kind of saves the day, and then we flash, pull out a little farther and see that the whole ranch is under attack. There's militia men laying on the ground. The Wranglers are taking care of business. One guy gets hanged. As far as we can tell, and this is a bit of a spoiler, um, no one significant from the Dutton side dies. There are right. deaths, like the, the Beth's assistant gets blown up, and it would appear that Jamie's secretary is killed as well in the shooting. But other than that, we really kind of get out of it with really any um, any deaths. The worst is we flash forward two months and we see that John Dutton was in a coma for mm-hmm. two months after kind of being saved heroically by Rip. He seems to get the worst of it. He got shot up pretty bad, but he comes out of the coma. Spoiler alert. I think we all knew that was going to happen. You know, when he was laying on the ground, even in that first scene, I, I thought to myself, I was like, you don't kill off no. the main character. So... I'm like, mm, likelihood of him dying, I'm going to give a 1%. I was pretty pretty darn confident that he was going to live. There are some key scenes in the middle that speak to who did it, who did the attacking. But the first thing we learn is who didn't, some people that didn't. And, and we'll just mention one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be the natives. Um, mm-hmm. Thomas Rainwater is the head of the Native American tribe. Mo is sort of his right-hand man. Uh, he has some sort of war experience of some sort. We haven't quite learned what that means yet, but he is a man not to be reckoned with. And Mo and a guy who is talking, bragging about planning the attack kind of have a little bit of a a special moment together on the side of a road. It involves a horse, some rope, and a rock. And yep. Mo finds out ultimately, I think, we know, Mo knows who planned the attacks, but we weren't privy that in, to that information. In in the scene where you see the hanging, like I said, mass chaos of everything going on, Monica and Tate, you know, they escape. They escape the guy, the intruder in their home. Yep. Which, man, I thought it was so heavy when, I mean, Tate was the one who essentially mm-hmm. took care of that situation and just thinking like, oh, man, for a young, I mean, they, he lives on the ranch. He's, you know, to have to shoot the intruder. I'm like, man, I wonder if that that scene will kind of come up later just for him but also i say that with we we see him in the beginning we see both of them and then we never see him again we don't see him again in episode two either Uh uh-uh i feel like maybe just the plot hasn't circled back around to them yet okay but i don't know i think they're the only main characters we don't lay eyes on again um because we do eventually see jamie Mm -hmm. uh in the office um he doesn't play too much of a role yet 
we see Casey, of course. We mentioned Casey returns at the end of episode one. Right. And that's the, sort of the big cliffhanger until the very end. We think Casey could have gotten killed. No one's really talking about Casey. And right. finally, we see that he just took a couple of gunshots and is going to be fine. But his death would have been um, surprising, but maybe a little bit more expected, of course, than like a Beth death. I'd, I'd agree with that. And I know we're going to get to episode two, but can we sort of hunker down for a minute on that flashback scene? Oh, absolutely. 1883? I'm here to talk about what Tim McGraw was wearing, amongst other things. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to talk about his getup. Well, here, here's what happened. Out of the credits, we flash back to 1883, and I have the date written down as well. But um, it's a, it shows Tim on horseback with um, his two sons, and they come upon some natives on his land. And they have a, a pleasant confrontation, but ultimately, uh, John, uh, Tim McGraw's character, James Dutton, allows the natives to bury um, the grandfather, their grandfather on the land he was born, which is now the Yellowstone Ranch. And they bury him in a place where um, James Dutton or his family won't be able to find him. So they sort of put that on our minds right there. But they also introduce Tim McGraw's character, James Dutton, from Yellowstone, which you're right. I mean, he looks phenomenal. This is good. I want that jacket. He's wearing the <laughs> describe the coat. It is wonderful. <laughs> I, you know, I would say if you take a woolly mammoth and you put it on a person, that is how I'd best describe it. About it looks like you took six jackets. You know, you just kept throwing them on, throwing them on. He is not. There is not one ounce of cold on his body. It's like if you if you skinned Manny from Ice Age. Yes. <laughs> and like Big Bird's paler brother, yes. and sort of put them together. It's like a feather mammoth fur jacket and my gosh that looks cozy well, <laughs> it looks with his great beard, it like it yeah. doesn't his beard kind of it all morphs into one so you're like where does it end i don't know mm-hmm. it just kind of all goes into one so other things we learn during that scene is is that that character has two sons one of them is going to end up being um john dutton kevin costner's grandfather right. and also we knew he already knew that he had a daughter named elsa and as we found out um, when the trailer for 1883 rolled, Elsa, played by Isabel May, is going to narrate the series. So she's sort of the narrator as well as being part of the action. So the whole thing is sort of told through her eyes eventually, which is certainly separates it a bit from uh, Yellowstone. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I'm curious, and this is kind of a little bit of a tangent of the plot itself, but something I was thinking when I was watching that scene specifically, I'm curious if fans of Yellowstone but aren't necessarily fans of country music, 
you know, as they fall in love with Tim McGraw's character, if maybe they become, you know, fans of Tim McGraw as a country artist and then end up liking country music. I don't know. It's just something to yeah, kind of chew on a little bit. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if Tim McGraw and especially Faith Hill play some of their own music in the show at, at mm. certain points. Not not their recorded music, but like new songs, right? either record, written or recorded just specifically for an upcoming album, but tying into the Yellowstone action. Because, um, you know, Yellowstone does that. There's Ryan Bingham songs, and Ryan Bingham mm-hmm. is one of the main characters. Um, and it really integrates music. And, and Taylor Sheridan is a really big fan of music and country right. music, so I wouldn't be surprised if he integrates more of that into the plot. Yeah. Another kind of critical thing to take out of that uh, flashback scene is the relationship that Tim starts right away with the natives. So it shows that that's a peaceful relationship, at least yes. then. And I think that kind of speaks to maybe where Yellowstone is headed. Like there's been a little bit of tension between Rainwater and John Dutton, but there's also sort of an alliance because they have a common enemy. I think that might be rooted in that scene right there. Yeah, I, I really liked watching that scene because it kind of made me, I mean, breathe a little easier, if you will, of knowing like, okay, once upon a time, it wasn't as hostile as it is now. Like once upon a time, it did start off on a much more hospitable, respect yeah. for each other type of way. It didn't start off with just conflict. Did you watch the trailer for 1883 as well? Oh, I did. I did. And you know, are we going to talk about it? Can I, can I? Yeah, go ahead. Little... Cause that's, we get to meet Faith Hill's character for the first time. Margaret. Yes. Which I didn't recognize her at first. Mm. Well, granted the scene was about, you know, two seconds right. long, but she kind of looked like Rapunzel with her, you know, long blonde yeah. hair. And yeah, I'm excited. You know, it's one of those things of Tim McGraw, I could see in this role, but but Faith, I'm kind of going, hmm, you know, I, I'm i interested and intrigued to see her in a more rugged, rough, very, you know, not so easy situations, um, lots of emotion. I definitely, th- I mean, the scene that they showed of her was her screaming, you know, screaming and crying is essentially what she was doing. You know, Faith in this role is really interesting. Let's be honest, she doesn't have a lot of ex- acting experience and right. the roles she has played we're okay. Like she was in the Stepford Wives that wasn't going to win any awards. And then she had one or two other clips, but she wasn't a great actor. But what they have done is they've kind of put it in her comfort zone. Like she has some experience on horseback and she can work a rope. Like she's shown that she can do some of that kind of more rugged stuff. Mm-hmm. But they've also obviously really surrounded her with a great cast to take the pressure off her if, you know, she needs some help or given her some people maybe to rise up to mm-hmm. in terms of acting, a mentor. Um, Sam Elliott's part of this show, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton's a great actor. And I wouldn't be surprised if more names um, become attached to this kind of either in season one or maybe if there's a season two, we get some uh, bigger characters as well. Well, and I'm sure there's some comfort there. I mean, obviously, playing alongside her husband, there's an aspect mm-hmm. of comfort of, you know, even just them being married of she can just th- they will interact a little differently. Here's something I've been dying to ask and talk about, like Yellowstone it's pretty PG-13. Yeah. Like, there's a fair amount of, like, couple physical scenes, like, where, and some nudity. Like, is there going right. to be a Tim McGraw-Faith Hill love scene where they're just, like, in the back of the wagon? I <laughs> I know. I'm like, man, I don't know if you could detach Tim McGraw and Faith Hill and, you know, detach them from their characters. I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I kind of feel like they might be here for it. I will say this about Yellowstone. There legit is not a female character on the show that hasn't either been seen in just her underwear 
or been put <laughs> yes. in a a sort of um, romantic or sexual place at some point. Like every single woman on Yellowstone. I mean, I'm trying to think if there's anyone I missed. Like even the bit people that come in at some point, you like see like a, um, a flash a little butt or something. Um, right. Oh, I was trying. To, I mean, I was trying to think other than you know Willa or Willa's her name, right? Okay, yeah. Willa. We didn't see Will. That's a good one. All right. And yeah, so far, like, the, the new CEO. We haven't seen Jackie Weaver's character in the throes of passion. Quite right. I was like, okay, wait, hold on. I don't think unless I missed a scene or a plot line. <laughs> yeah. All right. You got me. Not everyone, but, but most. for the most part. With regard to 1883, and we kind of are the only ones talking about this, it seems to be rooted in some historical fact. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton's character is named Marshal Jim Courtright. That's a real historical figure. Like, he lived. He was he was a real marshal in Texas, in Fort Worth, Texas, in the late, uh, the late 19th century. So, like, to a certain degree, they're committing themselves to some historical accuracy, at least with that character— but also I would guess maybe some other characters are ba- either based on real life or the, at least the action follows sort of what actually happened in that time period during that time. Well, and they filmed part of this in Fort Worth. Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 1883, that doesn't start till December 19th. So we got a little bit of time. And if, if you're just listening to the podcast and, and you don't really have any idea what's going on, we're going to go bi-weekly here for these first couple of episodes and then get into weekly episodes once 1883 starts. Because as I said, it's gonna ultimately going to be an 1883 podcast, but there's just too much good stuff to talk about. We're just catching you up to speed. <laughs> there, and I, let's be honest, we waited so long to talk about Yellowstone, to like have intelligent conversations about Yellowstone with people and like scratch all these itches. It's like we just... <laughs> like you said, it's like drinking out of a fire hose. Uh, staff at tasteofcountry.com is how you can pipe in with your questions, comments, or what you need to know. And we can do a fan Q&A later on down the road if we get enough questions for it. But, I, I, you know... I've enjoyed on the YouTube videos talking with fans about their theories. And some people have pointed out kind of some good things. Like, for instance, um, the one theory I have about who did it, which, again, I'm not saying because I can keep a secret, (laughs) barely. Um, There was a a scene in uh, a previous season of Yellowstone where Casey, the youngest son, planted a bomb in a jet, and we never saw that bomb blow up. Good point. People think that might tie into the package bomb that Beth gets. Oh, that's a good one. I missed that. Totally. I mean, there's just so much sort of buried that like one person or even two people can't possibly sort of uncover all those, all all the, all the bones of that. Right. Well, and that kind of goes to the point what I was saying earlier is this is a show, man, that you cannot, can't, can't look at your phone. You can't, you know, do multitask. You got to, little things like that. So subtle, but I miss it. Okay. Let's get to episode two. Describe what they found in the dig. Uh, we we learned, first of all, that Jamie leased the land to Markwood Equities so they could build their airport. He didn't sell it. And the construction workers are digging to lay some pipe, mm-hmm. and they find something buried in the mud. So at first they find what is a cattle skull or a, a bull skull. skull. And, you know, you think, I, I'm like, okay, great, you're on farmland, nothing Nothing too abnormal. Cow dies. But then what you don't normally find on a ranch is a human skull. Right. That's not quite what I would have expected. And obviously that raises questions and they freak out. And it's like, we need to we need to go call someone. This is, again, where Yellowstone never really just gives it all to you. They ask you to draw a lot of conclusions and kind of take a leap of a leap of faith. But we are led to believe that that is the, the body that was buried back in 1883. Right. 
Well, and I, at least for me, I'm thinking, why would they show that specific scene if it wasn't necessarily tied to that? That's just my personal right. thought. I, I sometimes wish you'd have these aha moments where the show, like someone would open up a door and boom, there's the villain. <laughs> Da-da! <laughs> but we, we, we haven't been able to get that quite yet. Right. Uh, which is a, a little bit frustrating. But what questions do you still have about either episode two or kind of the show as a whole? Uh, you know, a character that we haven't talked to, we talked a little bit about him in the beginning, but he plays a pretty large role in episode two is Carter. I'm really, really mm. excited to see how this kiddo, you know, he's young, but he's had a really rough life, you know, leading up to this kind of moment. And I'm excited to see, I think he's going to be good for the Dutton family and just everyone on the ranch. Of, I think he's going to push boundaries, but... I think the more nurturing side of everyone's going to come out. He's about the same age as Tate. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important to keep in mind. Eventually, they're gonna, certainly going to cross paths and either become friend or frenemies. He appears because Beth kind of meets him as the at the hospital. Carter, uh, actor Finn Little, uh, his father is dying of a heroin overdose, overdose, which essentially is going to leave Carter an orphan. Mm-hmm. Um, Beth kind of befriends him in that scene. And then later... Uh, he ends up at the ranch because he tried to rob a liquor store or something, and he listed Beth as like a, a family member or of some sort. So she wants to take him in. Rip's not as keen on the idea, and he kind of tests him, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, he, like he doesn't want to do it. He sees himself in him and, and sends him on a test. To run after a bag. Do you understand... I don't know my theory on why he did that is correct, but well, it doesn't seem to make sense in the moment. What, I don't what's think. your theory? Because honestly, I don't I don't have any theories. I just thought, huh, interesting. I went back to the, how season three ended and Walker, who is uh, Ryan Bingham's character, comes back on the ranch and Rip tells John that he doesn't think Walker will follow instructions or, or do it what he's told ultimately. And that's what Rip values most is someone who will just listen to him mm-hmm. when he needs to be listened to and do exactly what he says. And they test Walker and Walker ends up kind of proving his mettle. I think that's what that was. I think he was just seeing if the boy, Carter, would blindly go get a bag without questioning it or without being told twice. And he does. The kid runs, hops a fence, mm-hmm. runs, grabs the bag, comes back and gives it to him. I think that's what that test was all about. Okay. I could, yeah, I can get on board with that. Can I can I throw one other kind of silly thing in there? Because oh, I'm kind of obsessed with the movie. Absolutely. I am here for it. And that is what this podcast is for. Go for it, Billy. The stage is yours. All right. Jamie. Yes. Wes, actor Wes Bentley. Yes. Was in the 2002 movie American Beauty. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And in that movie, he plays Ricky Fitz. Ricky Fitz has this scene where he's showing his girlfriend some footage he filmed. And all it is is a plastic bag blowing in the wind. For like 15 oh, minutes. My gosh. Yes. I'm wondering, did Taylor Sheridan put a subtle tribute to Ricky Fitz's character in a mute American beauty by making that plastic bag in the field? Wait, Billy, that's good. I hope so. <laughs> you think it? I mean, it could just be coincidence. If I ever got an interview with Taylor Sheridan, that would be like the 300th question I asked, but it'd be on the list. He'd probably appreciate that. I'm sure it's a question he would not normally get. It should be your first one, not your 300th. Well, let's end on Taylor Sheridan, because I don't think a lot of people realize that Taylor Sheridan is now becoming a major, his, his, uh, he's now an actor who's playing a major character in season four of Yellowstone. And he looks good doing it. He's, he's a <laughs> handsome man. I do say so myself. Good, good Lord, Ed Taylor Sheridan. He 
He's a good-looking fella. He is. If, you know, if only he, he could ride a little bit. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. If, if only he, he was strong. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. And he rides a horse like a, just a, he plays Travis, mm-hmm. who is from the Texas ranch. They come up and they're, ultimately, John Dutton's looking to put him on the road. But previously, we had seen um, Travis uh, kind of, it kind of seemed like they were selling the Dutton some horses. I don't know. I never really knew what Travis did other than he just brought a little bit of fun and levity to the series and usually a lot of good-looking people. Because this whole team's just gorgeous. You're not wrong. They are. The girls are hot. The guys are all hot. It's like, what is? where, where are these people? <laughs> <laughs> who are you and where'd you come from? Hey, it's Texas, baby. <laughs> Even Teeter, who is like, if you, you just got to see Teeter to know Teeter. Like, she is like, has nothing to say. Like, I feel like she is like, she's just a step short of drooling over Taylor Sheridan's Travis at different points, watching him work those cutting horses. Like she's just like oh, it's always this carnival, Barbara. Yep, <laughs> yep. The kind of just the dazed and confused almost look, but the subtle smile of just clearly in another world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel bad for her because Colby on the show is her boyfriend. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see. Maybe there's a, and they even allude to Travis getting around a little bit with the women. So I'm kind of curious to see if that causes a little bit of a drama in in this season, but. Um, I kind of hope not we'll because I'd like to focus on the real drama and not have all these sort of side dramas. That's what I get irritated about with Jimmy. Jimmy and his dang girlfriend, they don't do anything but sort of hold up the rest of the action. They're kind of irritating if, if you ask me. But Tell me how you really feel about it, I'm Billy. just anti-Jimmy, apparently. Apparently. How do you feel about Jimmy or Travis, Beth, or any of the characters on the show? It's okay to have a favorite, and it's okay to have a least favorite. Leave a comment if you follow Dutton Rules on Apple Podcasts or email us at staff at tasteofcountry.com and we'll not only respond, we may include your comment or question in a future episode. I'm Addison Hager and we'll be back in two weeks for a new episode and more updates on season four of Yellowstone and season one of 1883. Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone in 1883 podcast is written by myself and Billy Dukes and produced by Billy Dukes. For more great Yellowstone insight, find us on YouTube by searching Taste of Country and Yellowstone. If you've not tapped follow, please do it now on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening. Dutton Rules is another great Townsquare Media podcast. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.